Famed coaches, national champions, lottery picks, the best minds in basketball. Welcome into the sidelines with Evan Daniels. What's up, college basketball fans? Welcome back into the Sidelines Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Daniels, college basketball insider over at FS1, as well as the director of basketball recruiting at 24-7 Sports. Today's episode of the Sidelines Podcast is the 56th episode, and the featured guest is Ohio State head coach Chris Holtman. It's his second time on the podcast, and this time we jumped into the difficulties of taking over a new job in June, the development of Kieda Bates Geop, and if he expected his current team, which is currently on a roll, winning 10 of their last 11, if they he thought they could be this good this quickly. Before we get to that interview with Chris Holtman, I want to make sure that you are supporting the Sidelines with Evan Daniels podcast. The best way for you to do that is to shoot over to Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. Hit the subscribe button for me, but also leave a rating and a review. That is very helpful. You can also shoot me a note over on Twitter with any ideas that you have. My Twitter handle is at Evan Daniels. Without further ado, let's jump to that featured interview with Ohio State head coach, Chris Holtman. It's time to go man-to-man with Evan Daniels. Send it in, big fella. Now let's welcome in Ohio State head coach Chris Holtman to the Sidelines podcast. Coach, welcome back to the podcast. Had you had you on right after uh, you got the job at Ohio State last summer. H- how much of a, a whirlwind have these last eight months been for you? Well, you know, uh, obviously, Evan, you, you know how these things work pretty well. And, and um, you hit the ground running with recruiting and putting your staff together. And uh, fortunately, we had most of our staff in place. But uh, it's busy, that's for sure. I think the added dynamic of it happening in June um, uh, creates even a busier, more compressed time period. But, um, you know, we've been fortunate. Um, we've got some older guys that Coach Mott and the staff recruited that are tremendous people, and they, they've really led the way here. You know, less, less than eight years ago, you were an assistant coach at Ohio University. Do you ever think back about your journey as a coach and, and kind of reflect on it? I and mean, you've moved up pretty quickly. Yeah, you know, I, I, it's funny. I think I, I get asked that a lot, Evan, just because, um, because it's unique. The path is, is unique. You know, a lot of guys play at a high level and somehow get into it through playing at a high level or work their ways up, up, up that way. And, you know, mine was so unique in, in uh, leaving a head coaching job and then, you know, getting the Butler job the way I did. So, you know, I, I just think you reflect back and you're, you know, you're grateful for the opportunities and, and the blessings that uh, the Lord has kind of put in my path. And you hope, you know, you hope you do the best with the opportunities that are there. And that's what we're trying to do. And, you know, I'm reminded of that each and every day, how fortunate I am. You accepted the head coaching position at Ohio State in June. And now that you can kind of look back and reflect a little, what what were the biggest challenges of taking over a new job that late in the game? Well, uh, you know, getting to know your your players, I think, was was priority number one, and and getting to know what makes them tick and how they operate, and uh, and then asking a lot of questions, Evan, um, in terms of I wanted to know from from those guys' perspective, you know, what, what were they um, you know, what would they, what were their thoughts on the last couple years when, uh, when we struggled here and, 
what responsibilities they feel like they in ownership they took in that and uh, you know so that was pretty time consuming uh, as you'd imagine and then obviously you know we tried to pound away uh, in terms of recruiting um, immediately and feel really good about our class that we have incoming but you know we've got some work to do in these next couple of years putting together good classes. At that point in the year, how hard is it to make roster adjustments? How difficult was it kind of hashing through all that? I think that was maybe one of the hardest things was the temptation to take seven or eight guys. Uh, or You know, we had seven or eight guys at the time because we had a couple injuries. Uh, we had a young man that was ineligible who I, who I had to dismiss. We had another young man who... Um, who decided to transfer a guard who, who just, be, you know, Coach Mott had recruited him and, you know, he felt like he wanted to transfer. So, you know, we had these, these changes that were happening and I saw my roster kind of dwindling by the day and down to seven at one point and even six healthy guys at one point. So the temptation is to uh, kind of grab bag and, and just take what you can at that point. You're getting phone calls about these guys and, Evan, you know better than anybody, there's a limited number of people that can really compete uh, at, at this level. And we just didn't, we knew we obviously uh, had signed a long-term contract and we said, hey, we're going we're gonna to wait and, and be patient. Fortunately, we were ab- able to add um, Kyle Young, Musa Jallo, Andrew Dockich um, to – Caleb Wesson, a really good young freshman that Thad had recruited, and and that that helped us uh, adding some of those guys. And then we 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 finished our roster with with adding three walk-ons. How big of an itch is there to kind of just fill out those scholarships? Obviously, you guys are playing the long game and 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 decided to not go that route. But you see so so often. Uh, where there's a couple scholarships available and, and maybe you take a chance on a guy late that, that may not be as good enough. Is there an itch to do that? And, and, and I guess why didn't you guys? Well, I think, I, one, the security of, of, um, of really, as you said, playing the long game and knowing that right. we're, we're trying to invest in this deal and make sure that this, this is set up to have uh, a successful run for a number of years. And, um, you know, we didn't want to, mortgage our future by um by filling up our our scholarships at at this point against guys that either we didn't have a good feel for or we weren't sure we're good enough you know there's so many questions at that point in the summer we certainly did our research and we we investigated some options and we looked at some everything from junior college to obviously fifth year guys but you know we just kept running into the dead ends and situations that i didn't feel comfortable getting involved with so um it was it was certainly tempting to do that um but i think you know looking back we 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 made we made a good decision the other thing that i think helped is knowing that we had kata coming back from injury and we had jay sean tate so you had a couple older guys uh that could maybe stabilize us for a year um and now like i said we have to we have to recruit well. They had, they had a recruiting class, most of one that transferred out a couple of years ago. So that impacts your roster in a lot of ways. We've got to figure out how to manage that moving forward. When you made that move, how much easier was it on you, knowing that you were coming with your whole staff, guys that you were so familiar with, you'd built a program with, 
had recruited guys with that had to have made it a little easier on you yeah they you know it did and they were really excited about it and you know i had first told them that i was you know that that i had gotten a call from ohio state and when i first told them i was you know i was a little reluctant to take to take the job and they kind of convinced me (laughs) to um you know, to maybe listen a little harder. Um, and, and, you know, I think some of that was their excitement about the opportunity, uh, both for me, but also for them too. You know, they were really excited about the the possibilities of of being here. So, um, it was great. You know, those guys are great. Um, Ryan Peden, Terry Johnson, Mike Schrage, uh, I think they're really high level guys and high level people and they're ready to be head coaches and, and uh, they bring a, a certainly a understanding of how we like to do things, which, as you know, is, is hard to replace. Now, you've won 10 of your last 11. What, what have you been most pleased with with your team about over that stretch? You know, I, I think our ability to kind of te- take every game um, and approach it the right way, um, knowing that, that – um, uh, you know, I think w- when you get beat up a little bit, like like we did here last year, it, it, in some ways it humbles you, but it also kind of puts you in the right mindset where you know, hey, any given night it can be a long night if you don't bring your very best. And and I think I've been pleased with our guys' approach uh, from from one game to the next, and their ability to adapt to different uh, game plans yet um, play to you know to our identity. Um, so that that's been great, and again, that's a reflection on on uh, Jay Sean Tate and Canada Bates Diop and our older guys. Did Did you think that you guys could be this successful this early? No, no, I didn't. And um, no, I mean, I, I think anybody anybody who says that they that they saw, you know, I, I may never start out league play again eleven and one. You know, I, that just doesn't happen. Uh, you know, very often. And let's be honest in a, in a power league. That's that's not realistic. You know, too many good teams, too many good coaches, too many good programs. So I think we feel really fortunate. Um, and I did not feel like, you know, it's been well documented where we were picked from really from 11th to 14th in the Big Ten. And, you know, some of that is people, you know, weren't quite sure how good Cato, I think a lot of that, they just weren't sure how good Cato was going to be. And he's obviously proven how, how good he is. But our team chemistry uh, Evan has been, it's been incredible. And, you know, we've been really fortunate to have really good, uh, team chemistry, uh, at Butler, but this is a, this is a, this group here is, I mean, they really do, uh, like each other and play for each other. How hard is it to develop that type of chemistry? And, you know, as a coach, like how, how do you instill that in your guys? Or is that something where you just <laughs> try to recruit and have the right guys in your, your system and it, and it works out? Yeah, as much as possible. I think, the the teams that I felt like have have been had the best team chemistry have been your most unselfish teams, and I think if you have selfish guys, um, it's going to impact your chemistry one way or the other. And you know you're always going to have guys that are obviously going to be driven and want uh, want to achieve things personally, but um, I, I think this is this has been a really unselfish group. A great example of that is Jay Shantae, who's led us in scoring the last couple years. Uh, Kata comes in and all he cares about is winning. 
Cade uh, has 35 the other night against Illinois, and there's a picture of of Jay Sean grabbing him from behind in the um, in the line handshake line after the game and celebrating with him with a huge grin on his face. And I told the team if that doesn't embody who that kid is and what he's about, then nothing does. He you know he could have he could have been envious of 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 the fact that Kata, you know, has probably taken a couple shots away from him a game, but he's, he's not been that way. And he's really embraced uh, winning and, and um, you know, that, I think that's how you have good chemistry. People like that. That's what it's all about. You, you, you mentioned uh, Kata Bates Giop. He went from averaging just under 10 points and five rebounds a game last year to 20.2 points and 8.9 rebounds this year. In what areas have you seen him grow since you got to Ohio State? Well, he's definitely more assertive. Um, you know, I, I got that a lot from people who had seen him play in the past. He was a tentative at times. Now, you know, he, he's played with really good players here and talented guys where he didn't necessarily have to be as forceful um, – as he's had to be this year for us, you know, he's had to be a guy, high volume guy in a lot of ways for us. But um, I think more his assertiveness, his aggressiveness, his confidence has grown, his physicality has grown, uh, his motor, all the things that were questions mark marks about him. And let's be honest, are still question marks to some degree. People still say how, you know, can he be consistently tough? Can he consistently play with motor? But he's proven he's proven that he is one of the very best players in the country, and he's done it over and over again. And um, I'm really happy for him. How do you see him moving forward in terms of NBA status? You think he's a guy that can find a place in the league? I do, I do. And you know, I've talked to a few guys, uh, Evan, but not uh, not a ton. That'll be something we'll really visit, obviously, as soon as the season gets over with. But he's got the length that uh, I think you're looking for. Uh, for sure, uh, he can make open shots. He's got defensive versatility. He is an elite, elite person. He's he's tremendous. And I think when you combine all of those things, a 7-3 wingspan with um, uh, being an elite person, a terrific worker, a great teammate, um, I think he's got the talent, the frame, and the ability to be a good player in the NBA. I really do. You mentioned uh, Andrew Dockich a minute ago. How cool is his story? It was a walk-on at Michigan, uh, ends up with a scholarship at Ohio State, and, and now he's, he's helping you win games. Yeah, it's really, it's really special because, um, you know, you love that when you see stories like that. You know, I, he was going to go to Quinnipiac. As a matter of fact, he was there for a few weeks and didn't get into a program there. And I think they had him penciled in for, you know, a – a role that kind of we thought 10 to 12 minutes a game potentially. And um, it's interesting, you know, when we were recruiting him uh, and kind of asking around, you know, we had recruited him at Butler um, this, this past year, cause we thought we might need another point guard. And then um, we took Aaron Thompson uh, when we were at Butler and, and I called Andrew and said, Hey, listen, I, you know, I told you if we took this young man that, if we got this young man that we weren't going to have another scholarship. And so, so we, you know, tabled it. Then he went on to Quinnipiac and in talking to people, you know, like I talked to, I talked to a a coach in the Mac and he said, you know, 
wasn't sure if he was going to be good enough for them. So I, you know, it makes you, you know, you have questions about it. But of course, he's proven time and time again how valuable he's been for us. He's really smart. He's really cerebral. Uh, plays to win. Knows who the best players on the floor are, and he knows it's not him. And that's a that's a good thing. Now, Cam Williams has obviously been an important piece to your all's puzzle. He was recently suspended. Do you have any kind of time frame on when you may be able to get him back on the court? You know, I'm optimistic it's going to be within, you know, within in pretty short order. Um, he, he's not going to travel with us to the Purdue game. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that it's going to be uh, sooner rather than later. It's not, it's not a season-long suspension. Um, uh, but uh, he does need to take care of some things, and uh, when he does that, he'll, he'll return. Obviously, that matchup with Purdue is is a big one. Um, they, they're sitting uh, atop the the Big Ten, and you're chasing them. What, what do you, what's the biggest key uh, for that matchup against Purdue for you all? Well, you know, you I'm sure you've seen them. People who've watched them, they are as complete a team as anybody in the country. Um, you look at their offensive and defensive efficiency, and it's incredible. It reminds me a lot of the Villanova teams we played uh, at Butler when they, you know, their top five in offense and defensive efficiency, very few weaknesses, elite size, elite shooting. Um, they've got a great team chemistry. Um, you know what? To be at our very best, obviously, Mackey Arena is a hard place to play. Um, you know, we're going to have to be at our very best, and you know, they're going to have to probably miss some shots that they normally make, but our guys are excited about the challenge. Now, I had this. I had Pat, Matt Painter on the podcast last week, and he and I had a conversation about recruiting niches, and I know you and I were talking about a recruiting a minute ago. Uh, I'm curious how, you're all, how your niche is going to change maybe compared to when you were recruiting at Butler, or will it? You know, yeah, I, I don't know that it's going to be a dramatic change. Um, I think that... Um, you know, p- perhaps, uh, you know, I, I really don't, I really don't look at it. I think there are you know, potentially some guys that, um, you know, in the past I've been asked, okay, are you going to recruit one and done players? And what's that going to look like? And, you know, I, I just have kind of said, Hey, we're going to recruit guys that we feel like fit us and guys that are Buckeyes and, um, you know, and we're not going to limit ourselves to, um, you know, what that's going to look like. And, and we're not going to, we're not going to compromise on what that looks like either. If we don't feel like a guy's a guy fits, then we we won't take him. But, um, you know, I could see us, um, recruiting, you know, certainly four year guys and guys that, uh, also might, might play a couple years here and, and, uh, head to the NBA. I think it's going to be a combination of guys. We're just looking for guys that we feel like really fit us. How much stock do you put into character and, and kind of recruiting to a to a culture, kind of what we were we were discussing earlier? You know, I, I think it's um, it's funny you, you hear you know the way people like the Patriots have scouted, and they always talk about scouting inside out, and and you know the first components they're looking at are are not just character, but they're looking they're looking for intangibles, uh, guys that play to win and understand what that looks like, and. Uh, and that's all, not always the easiest to identify. Uh, you know, talent probably is, is one of the easiest things to identify in, in guys. You know, can they be a high major player? Um, sometimes it's it's the intangibles and the character stuff that requires a little more digging. And, and that is going to be important to us because, 
you know, those those are the guys. You know, I think we want to you know, we want to coach here, and uh, those are the guys that Coach Mata and his incredible run here. He had so many of those types of guys. Um, so that, we're, we're, that's the that's the system and the philosophy we're going to stick with. You signed a top twenty five recruiting class in the fall with the uh, four commitments. What were you looking to accomplish with that group, and and what do you like about what you were able to get and put together? You know, a little bit of everything. To be honest with you, we we, we do have a lot of needs that that we have to uh, we have to meet. Um, you know, we've we feel like we've uh, we've done that to some degree, or at least we've gotten off to a good start with this class. Uh, we were looking for shooting, Evan. Uh, we were looking looking for playmaking ability on the perimeter. We're really thin on the perimeter right now, um, so we're looking for some depth there. We're always looking for offensive and defensive versatility um, as much as possible, and I think we were able to we were able to find that. We feel good about our four man class. I don't know that it's going to be limited uh, just to four. We may still add. Uh, one or two, whether that's a fifth-year transfer or another high school uh, player. But, um, you know, we feel good about the start we've gotten off to, uh, not only with this class, but this, this, uh, these four guys, and excited about adding to it uh, here moving forward. Chris, I appreciate the time. Good luck this week and the, and the, the rest of the way in the season. Always good to be with you, Evan. Take care. This is Aaron Rodgers. They're going to air it out. Rodgers does this better than anybody. End zone. Cobb. Touchdown. Unbelievable. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. And you're listening to The Sidelines with Evan Daniels. Hello, everybody. Evan Daniels here. Thank you for listening to the Sidelines podcast. But I wanted to tell you about another podcast over at Fox Sports that we are really excited about, and that's Alexi Lalas's State of the Union podcast. That's right, U.S. soccer across the globe. Each week, Alexi will give his State of the Union on American soccer as it rebuilds for the future. Subscribe and listen for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts right now. Now... Back to the show. We'd like to once again thank Ohio State head coach Chris Holtman for taking the time out and jumping on the podcast. Now I want to get to this week's three big topics, and I want to start with Danny Hurley in Rhode Island. The Rams off to a tremendous start to their season. They've won 14 straight. They sit at 19-3, and 11-0 in the Atlantic 10 Conference. They now have moved to number 18 in the AP poll. That is their highest ranking in school history. This team is top 50 in both offensive and defensive adjusted efficiency per Ken Palm, and they are led by a tremendous group of guards. It starts with Jared Terrell. He's averaging 18 points a game. E.C. Matthews averaging 14 points a game. Those two together are tremendous, and Terrell is shooting the cover off the ball. He's hit 46 three-pointers this season, shooting 42% from three. When you throw in Stanford Robinson, Jeff Doughton, and Jarvis Garrett, it is a special, special backcourt for Danny Hurley. He's done a tremendous job, and he really has this Rhode Island group playing at a very high level. Second topic is Joe Pasternak in UC Santa Barbara, another team playing tremendous. Get this, last year UC Santa Barbara was 6-22 and on the year. 
This year, they've started 18-5. and They are currently number one in the Big West, and it is the best start in school history since 1988-1989 season. Not bad for the first-year head coach at UC Santa Barbara, Joe Pasternak. They probably have the most talented team in the conference, and it starts with Max Heidegger averaging just under 21 points a game. He's averaging three threes a game, shooting it at a 42% clip. Leland King from Nevada, Marcus Jackson transfer from Rice have both been uh, big helps to this team. And as a team, shooting 38% from three. They've also have a really good recruiting class coming in with a handful of players that quite honestly could play in the Pac-12. Gabe Vincent's probably the heart and soul of that team, has really uh, proven this year that he's a complete player and has a terrific assist to turnover ratio. So Joe Pasternak and UC Santa Barbara really playing at a high level and and off to uh, a tremendous start to the season and and appear to be the favorites to win the Big West. And then the third topic is UCLA and Tiger Campbell. The Bruins on Tuesday picked up a massive pledge from Tiger Campbell, a guy that is ranked number 72 in the 24-7 sports composite rankings. He is a four-star prospect, and what I like about this kid is uh, the pace that he plays at. He, he knows how to change speeds. He's crafty with the ball in his hands. He's got pretty big, pretty good vision. Now, he's a little undersized, probably around the 5'11 uh, range, and I think he can score it, too. He's got crafty floaters. He can high finish off the glass. I, I just think he plays at such a good pace, and, and UCLA was in need of a point guard because they're going to lose Aaron Holiday, so they added Tiger Campbell on Tuesday. Now, That pledge moves them up to number four in the recruiting class rankings. He is their fifth pledge and their fourth top 100 commitment. Now, their biggest pledge is Moses Brown, a five-star prospect. But then they have top 100 commitments from Jules Bernard and David Singleton. And then Kenneth Nwubu is also on their commitment list. So Steve Alford and his staff, uh, kudos to them. They are uh, recruiting very well, and they're not done. In fact, uh, they they may even be the favorite for five-star big man Jordan Brown. And if they were to get him, they would move up to number two in the recruiting class ranking. So Steve Alford has it rolling on the recruiting trail. 